with all the unrest, turmoil that is that is in the world. As the days pass, I become more and more convinced, I always been, that battle lines are being drawn and that destruction awaits in a great way. And so much of this is political, which I hate. John was telling me they having a big tractor pull up there in his vicinity and you can't gather in masses unless you bring a protesting sign and you gather as a protester if you gather as a protester then it's alright now folk unless there is a great outbreak again of this virus due to the masses gathering in small towns and large cities beyond number then somebody's going to have to eat a lot of crow about what we've been told it's, it's happening everywhere and this six foot rule distance they've thrown that out the window simply on the ground you can protest well we've got to get far far above all this and gather around that sweet place of holy communion Fellowship with our Father and His Son by the Spirit and gather around that great mercy seat. That's the only qualification I'll ever have for making it into that eternal city. I am a sinner and by the mercy of God He birthed me into His family. I saw Nothing I've done, nothing I ever can do. Got no hope, no ground to stand on. Other than the great mercy of God. Well, if you would this morning turn to the 26th chapter of Genesis. I've got that... A verse in Proverbs 14, and then two or three verses in Hosea 8. And in a moment, if you want to go ahead and get to Proverbs uh, 14, we'll get we'll turn there in just a very brief moment. 
And then hold your place here because we're coming, we're coming back. But would you bow with me as, as we seek our dear Father's face? My Father, let nothing that I've said carry people's minds so far out into all the disaster going on around us, revolt, riots, murders give me on all that and help us now to come back with purity of heart as much as is possible to ascend to the hill of our God. And there, afresh and anew, looking upon the Lamb of God, washing in the pure water of His Word, maybe having the blood sprinkled afresh and anew or our awareness of that being cleansed from our sins as we sit here this morning to worship help us in preaching help these dear hearts in hearing and if it's pleasing Give them ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to understand. For thy things, O God, cannot be perceived by intellect, natural mentality, sentiment, hearts but only by thy spirit and Lord Jesus we we welcome thee into our midst We look forward and we long for the ministering of Thy Spirit to our hearts and bringing us into an awareness that Almighty God, in the person of His Son, is in our midst. In His name we pray. Amen. I want to
I want to speak to you on the wells of water in a Christian's journey. Now when I say wells, and I will only get to three, probably won't get to these three today, I in no way say that these are the only three in your life that you will drink from. But they are the only ones mentioned here by name. And they have great significance for us. Begin reading with verse number 14 of Genesis 26. For he, speaking about Isaac, had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called the names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And and they digged another well, and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence, and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now... The Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. For envy, the same word is used, or jealousy is used many times in, in the place of envy, envy a few times. For envy, jealousy. There is another word also that goes along with that, zeal. And how can you put zeal with envy and jealousy? We know what zeal for the Lord is. We know what zeal for truth is. But they were zealous of jealousy and of envy. Now Proverbs chapter 14 Just keep your place here. Proverbs 14 and verse number 30. A sound... 
just stop there. Health, wholesome, two other words, meaning the same. A healthy, wholesome heart. Now, your heart, naturally speaking, is the center of your existence. It stops, you stop. And the old saying is true, you are what you eat. Now, I am semi-conscious. Our forefathers that worked so hard in the land, they their diet was made up mostly of what the dietitians now say don't eat. And yet they lived a long, healthy life. So I say I'm semi of what I eat, but not cautious. If I'm somewhere and and the hostess puts on a puts a, a dish on, then I'm not going to say no. I can't eat that. That doesn't belong to my diet. That would that's just not right. Plus this, Paul said everything is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So I'm more dependent upon the blessing of God on what I eat than on what I eat. But I am very cautious of a diet in my spiritual life. You're not going to feed on, I'll say, junk. And then try to talk with God. You're not going to get there. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that's got clean hands and a pure heart. And if I've just been eating all that this world is dishing out, I've got a full heart. And not going to get to the Lord. Now, I've got a, the middle son is a sports nut in many ways. And he's got this conservative radio host, and he's good. I've heard some of the, his interviews with, with some governors and all. But, since this last out there in the sports world is going on, he came in. He came into the, where I was sitting, drinking my morning cup of coffee, and just—I mean, he was—he was fit to be tied as far as everything that's going on out there. And I said, "You can't fix stupid." Now. Quit it, shut it off, and go on. Well, within five minutes, he's back in there, throwing all this back in my face. And I'd stop him, and I'd send him on. And one more time. And I said, 
leave me alone. Leave what you're listening to alone. And get on that which might be beneficial to you. Now, all this happened to me prior to my entering the closet and trying to commune with God. And he's filled me with as much as I would let him. Two or three minutes at, at, the, at the most, at the time. Three different times. till I run him out three different times. Just saying, I don't want to hear it. It's not beneficial. It's not healthy. And then the next time you come in, he said, i got to quit listening to this stuff. I said, you might, you might be learning a little. And he skipped the next day. Now, tomorrow starts another week, and I don't know. He'll probably be back listening to it. But a sound heart, what you take into your system, and the bloodstream, well, the digestive system breaks it down, and, and it enters into the bloodstream and into your heart. That's who you are. And spiritually speaking, you are exactly what you eat. Now, Solomon said, a sound heart is the life of the flesh. But now listen, envy the rottenness of the bone. That's the system that supports me. That gets me where I need to go physically. That's my framework. Now, sound heart, that's life. Envy, it'll just destroy your system. That's why that they ran Isaac out of the land. Now, he could have stayed, we'll get to that later, and said, no, those are my wells, my servants dug them, and I'll fight you. But they were afraid, for they were afraid of him, but he, he didn't. Choose the right battle, folks. And so for envy, they ran him out. Proverbs 23, you don't need to turn, let not thine heart envy sinners... But be in the fear of the Lord all day long. And here's what's happening. You're looking at the wicked and you see that they can accumulate so much in life and it doesn't matter how that they obtain it. They can use wicked means in obtaining it and you as a child of God have got to be upright and honest. In all your dealing, I don't care if you're dealing with a wicked man uh, or just a good, good old lost buddy, or you're dealing with a Christian, you got to be upright and you got to be honest. You're carrying a name above all names. And don't be looking at the accumulation of what the wicked have got envying them. You look at all they got and you want more. 
one of the old Puritans, and I, I don't know that it's still in print, but I've told you about it before. Jeremiah Barrows had a little booklet. Well, it was several chapters. The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. It's a, it's a jewel, and he rightly named it because so few people know what contentment is. We're always wanting something else. We're wanting to go to a more adventurous place. We're wanting to do something that will bring more excitement and fun into our life. The rare jewel, having food and raiment, let us be content. You can't find people content today. Everybody wants more. In the heart of man or woman void of grace and the peace of God, they keep trying to fill up that big old hole in their heart that was made only for the Lord. Accumulation of things. And they get it, and within a week, they're back just like they were. You drive a new vehicle off the off the showroom floor and two weeks later, well, it's not new anymore. Or you get this or that and the other, and you find out I'm still as empty within as I was. Now I'm not talking about things of necessity. You gotta have automobiles to get to work, to do your work. I'm not talking about that. You've got to have things in, of, of this world to exist. But we're just never satisfied. The rare jewel. I have food for the day. I have raiment for the day. All I need for the day is just walk with the Lord. Filling up that empty space that was made to commune with him. I've often quoted to you from the 73rd Psalm. The Christian, Christian man. He said, my foot had almost slipped, nice slip. I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I looked at them and I, I saw them accumulating and I saw them dying. There were no bands in their death. They just passed out into eternity without any fear. And the psalm and Asap said, I got to looking at them and became envious. I looked at my closet and saw I didn't have as many or as nice outfits as they had. My dwelling place wasn't like theirs. And I just sat there envious 
Well, that's the rottenness of the ball. If you got this desire within your heart to get, to obtain, to accumulate. Listen, Pilate knew, he knew it was because of envy that they sold Christ. They delivered him to be crucified. They being jealous of the crowd that was following him, being jealous of folk listening to him, interpret strangely and correctly what they had been what they had been trying to teach for generations. Now back to Genesis twenty six. In verse number sixteen. Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us. So Isaac departed. Isaac knew he was a pilgrim and a stranger in this old world. And then in verse number 18, he digged again the wells of water of his Father, it is good, it will be eternally good for you to make use of what our forefathers left us in their walk with the Lord. I have been, and I think throughout eternity, will eternally be grateful for the publication and some of the publishing houses bringing back the old Puritan writings and those great men of the 17 and 1800s. Many a refreshing drink have I obtained from their writing and from the old wells that they dug. But these have all been stopped up by the enemies of spiritual truth. And the enemies say we've devised new methods. We've come up with a better teaching of how to enable people to understand. We've got better views today of interpreting the scripture than they had 400, 200, or 150 years ago. We know more. We know better. Our educational system has improved so that we mentally have come up with all these things. And we've come up with, with, with new evangelical methods and new methods on building churches. And we don't need what our forefathers taught us. They just wouldn't see it. And I often thought in teaching some of those old men and women that taught me 
would not have been able to have survived in the classroom situation, especially in my latter years. They wouldn't have made it. Strict disciplinarians, honest, demanding, And they just, they couldn't exist. Nor the men of 400 years ago, if they walked into the church buildings today, they'd turn around and walk out. When they realized the lack of a spiritual climate. Make use. Of the old writings. Now, folk, I, I, I've told you before that my reading is limited mainly now to a good devotional book and then nothing other than the scriptures. But you younger folk, don't throw away the writings of our old forefathers. Remove not, Proverbs 22:23, the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have left. Edwards in America, and 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 uh, some that followed, some that were before, and some that followed him in early America. Don't ever, if you can get it, get it. Well, I don't have time. Well, why are you out trying to accumulate? Are you out trying to find excitement? Why don't you have time? Well, my, my schedule is so busy and my life is so busy. How much of your life, now I'm just asking you to ask yourself, is of absolute necessity. And if it is of necessity, do it. And if, if, if work calls you, if, if, if the boss gets a hold of you, 30 minutes before you're through your devotions and prayers, attend to that which is demanded, but you still got time. If providence interrupts, just go ahead. The Lord will be there when you take care of the responsibilities of life. Just don't take on more than you need to. Don't remove the old ancient landmarks. But society today says we found them to be outdated. They're no longer relevant to the times we live in. The old hymns honoring God and exalting Christ.
Christ. They just have no rhythm to them. We need that that's got some rhythm. And we need that that brings excitement back into the worship. That's not worship. That's fleshly entertainment and excitement. We've got to find ways to get people excited about going to church. There's nothing exciting to the natural man about sitting here and preaching and praying and singing. If it's right preaching, praying and singing, nothing exciting about that. Except in here, if you've got a new heart. Modern... Preachers, church builders, winner of souls today that's deceiving so many. They're just like Jeroboam. Made two golden caves and he said, Jerusalem's too far for you folks to have to go worship. So I'm going to put one in over here and I'm going to put that over there. You won't have far to go. And that became a sin and a snare to them forever. It's too much trouble. And here's a more convenient method of serving God. Again, I quote Jeremiah six sixteen: Stand ye in the ways, stand ye in ways, and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way. And walk therein. Now, if you walk therein, you shall find rest for your souls. But Israel said, no, we're not going to walk in those ways. And you let an individual or church start digging again the wells of our forefathers. You run into all kind of opposition. There's probably not a one of you that at one time or another has faced opposition from family, friends, or wherever. Why go there? And here's their plea. Any church is as good as where you go. If we could get back to the old fountains, drink of the well wherein God is in control of all things, and God does what's pleasing to Him in heaven and upon earth. Daniel said, in the ark, he, does, he doeth his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of men. If we could get back to that God that's all powerful and does whatsoever is pleasing, there's nothing that's called God by surprise, be it the virus, be it the riots, be it whatever, nothing. But if we could get back to this God, that our old forefathers worshipped, and some of the wells that they had dug, we might find this great God walking on the stormy sea of life where we've been.
for several years now and saying to the high winds and the rough waves that are just tossing us about to we don't know where what we are where we're going how we're going to get there we might find this great God saying to your soul peace be still now that is going on out there I'm not going to let it affect me I'm going to do what I got to do when I got to do it and where I got to do it all common sense I'm not saying throw out common sense I'm just saying obey God be obedient to the Lord now for me to hear he with the ability to walk on water and speak so mightily that wind just quit blowing and the waves just sink down to absolute stillness. I've got to have a quiet heart that I'm keeping with all diligence. And I must not grieve or quench the Spirit of God. Folk, the Pharisees lived upon their own intellect in interpreting Scripture. Now you can make the Word of God say whatever you want it to say. And they made that religious crowd... The crucified Christ, they made the word of God of none effect. That is, they deprived it of its force and authority by their tradition. This is the way our fathers did it, and it's good enough for them. You've got to do what we tell you. Only wells you need to be drinking out of are those from those men and women that walk with God in times of old. One last, Hosea chapter number 8. Go, through, go past the major prophets, Ezekiel and Daniel, and you run into Hosea. Hosea 8.12 I have written to him the great things of my law. Now for, for the sake of time, I, I will only read this in one other verse, but I'd like for you to read the chapter sometime, maybe this week. I have written to him the great things of my law. But they were counted as a strange thing. There was a time when Israel, the people of God in the nation of Israel, were as a fashionable, eloquent lady. 
And as long as she walked obediently and pleasing to, to the Lord, she had that feminine character. Oh, here we go. He's against feminine movement. I, I'm not dealing with any of that. I'm not dealing with it. I'm dealing with who God made you. And if He made you a female, be a female. If He made you a man, be a man. And as long as Israel, the children of God in that nation, were walking obedient and pleasing unto the Lord, her attire was that white linen robe. Now our verse, I have written great things. I skipped a word in there on purpose, two words. I have written great things that is important, weighty, excellent. That's what the Word of God is to a child of God. It's precious. It's prized. It is costly to a new heart. We know what it costs God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we prize it. How precious some, I'll say 139, hopefully I'm correct, Psalm 139, how precious are thy thoughts. Not what I think of God, but what God's thinking of me. How precious are thy thoughts unto me. How great is the sum thereof. You can't reckon them up. You can't get to the end of God. He being infinite. I mean, surely somewhere out there, space ends. But I don't know that it does. It just keeps on going and going and going. But this I know, that all space is in God, or God's outside all space. How great is the sun. David said, Lord, if I numbered my transgressions, just my transgressions, they're more than the sand of the sea. And here he's talking about God's thoughts being precious. And he spoke about the word of God being sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Thy words, Jeremiah said, were found and I did eat them. And I found the words of God to be the joy and rejoicing of my heart. This is a man that carried all the scriptures that he had walking down the road or sitting wherever. But because you've got them in your hand or because you've got them in your head doesn't mean that you've got them. Don't worry, Lord. He like Pilgrim. Decided he he was a little weary and tired, and he laid down to take a take a nap, and and rose up to go on. He, he finally way down the road. He figured, I've lost my scroll, my Bible. Jeremiah, me, you. Thy words were found. Oh, when I found them, the joy and rejoicing. Of my heart. 
By them thy servant is warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. That's my road map to heaven contained herein. To that land far off. Without this book I've got no road signs. Danger ahead, sharp curve, speed, 25 miles an hour. But now listen. But they were counted... Hosea 8.12 They were counted I've written great things Precious costly things But they were counted as strange things That's it Nothing to me I don't care what the preacher said Nothing to me I don't care what the scriptures say It's got no meaning to me It's not practical in, in everyday living I mean I got things I got to do and and places I've got to go and I can't be directed by an old fashioned outdated book that's what Israel was saying got no meaning doesn't mean anything to me what God wrote what God had to say I can get around that by saying well there's errors therein I dare you to prove to me one. If you go back and you read the chapter, you'll find verses 1 through 5 or 6. God's law and God's word was nothing to them. And she lost her feminine character and ended up with an incurable disease. Now, the two words that I skipped, I have written to him. And you fellas, whether you like it or not, or ever how masculine you think you are, the church is a female. And you that are married can be learning from your wife something of how she is before the Lord and with the Lord and relate that. That's the way I'm supposed to be acting. But the she... Ended up a him. She has become masculine. Verse 14 For Israel hath forgotten not her maker, but God made her a female, but she's forgotten his maker. Instead of a sensitive, loving, tender heart, she now has a hard, dominating, rigid, insensitive heart. That's this old man that says, I'm right. I don't care what you say. What I say goes. That's what Israel had become. Well, I don't want to shock you fellas, but you're not right 100% of the time. 
And you always need to keep a sensitive heart. That goes for especially, no, that doesn't go especially. That goes for you ladies too. And you men. Keep a sensitive, tender heart. Don't let it get hard. First funeral I ever did, and it had to be 45 years ago, of a suicide victim. A mother in the church had a son that lived in Opelika that had went off and left his car running and pumping all that poisonous gas in there and he could not be opened if it was so long before they ever found him his body had started to Decaying due to the poison. And one of the men in the funeral home, I was standing next to him, and on the other side was, was another minister. And he was fighting tears. This is a man that had been around dead people for a long time because he was as old as the preacher there. And the old preacher looked at him and said, Don't ever lose a tender, sensitive heart. And you're in the business where you can lose it dealing with dead people. You men and you women get a sensitive heart. And don't be like this crowd, Romans, because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. When they knew God, that's a devotional. That's a mental perception. When they knew God, For they that savingly know God, they have a tender, sensitive, loving, kind heart and spirit. But when God gives up a person, they become like that old man that you couldn't move him with a case of dynamite. He's so fixed and so rigid. He's going to be right. He'll go to hell being right. That's what the Romans, they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Wherefore God gave them up. One last. And I haven't even gotten to the whales. The three whales there. But he called the names after the names that his father had called 
them. You let a new CEO come in, especially one that's prideful, or lacking a little security, self-security. Let a new CEO come in. He's going to change everything. He's going to put his mark on it. If it means getting rid of some good folk that have been there 20 years and have done an excellent job, he's going to do it. Let a new king come in. He's going to destroy all the royal seed of the former king. That CEO is going to have his identity on it. And he's going to display his authority. I'm in control. You're going to change this and you're going to change that. Just to make a point, you're looking at a new boss. Isaac would honor his father. He wouldn't have the generation that said, my dad was outdated. He's too old-fashioned. He honored his father, calling the whales after the same name that his father did. For he knew, my papa had a God-honoring purpose in what he named them. My papa had a, there was a spiritual significance in what he called them. And I'm not prideful enough to think that I'll better what my father called him. He didn't. He didn't want his name name on him. My father called it that. That's what he called it. Why not? After all. His papa was a man of great faith. There's more written in Hebrews 11 on the people of faith on Abraham, I think, than any other. He was a champion of faith in the Old Testament. Maybe the champion of faith of all in Scripture. And not only a champion of faith, he was a friend of God. And Isaac knew I dare not come along and try to change up something just so those whales will have my names on them. For envy, they ran him out. Jealousy. And jealousy and envy will eventually destroy you if you let it. Don't envy sinners. Don't be jealous of anything anybody's got. I was riding back. I'd, I'd been with a man and we were, it, it was a hundred miles from, from we die. We, and we were coming back late one night 
He went past this house, law lighted up outside, and there was a beautiful fence. And the man I was riding with said, I wish I had that fence. And he had one better, and I'd never heard that. He just wanted a fence like that. But he wanted that man to have something better. How many folks have been stepped on throughout society because, and they have one in their vineyard, and haven't they both killed? And they step on anybody to get whatever they wanted. Many, many, many have been destroyed by men and women who talk so highly of themselves and so ambitious they did not care how they got what they wanted or who they stepped on getting there. Don't lose your feminine character with God and with one another. Don't do it. I speak to you men as well when I say, if you've lost it, get it. And may the Lord add his blessings to his word today.